But you know, I, that feeling, I know that feeling, oh. that feeling of anxiousness and just, just shame and whatever it was. And haven't had that feeling in like three years. It's freaking magical waking up every morning, bright eyed, like, all right, You're what like, are we going to do today? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it- Ladies and gentlemen, if you're hearing this, you have once again tuned to the Consequence of Habit podcast. And this is your host, JT. And before we kick this one off, we got a little bit of housekeeping to do. First off, I mean this. I implore you. If you get something from this podcast, uh, if this, any of these episodes have connected with you, any of the guests, um, then please do me a favor. If you are on Apple, if you get this from Apple, please leave us a five-star review. Hit subscribe. It doesn't have to be five stars. Whatever you feel like, just leave a review. Uh, it means a lot to me personally. It means a lot to this algorithm, this however this podcasting stuff works. So uh, I would greatly appreciate it. Second, this plugging event that we kicked off on on Earth Day. If you don't know what plugging is, it's biking, no, hiking, jogging. I mean, you could be biking. That's, I think that's biking though. Um, getting outside, moving, but at the same time, picking up trash. You know, this, this idea of being outside, improving your mental health, being active, obviously for, for physically, it's, it's, it's good for you. But I would, I would almost argue even more importantly, doing something for your community, doing something for your environment, being involved in something that is actually bigger than you. Now, that's where, the, that's where it's at. So if you want some more information on our plogging event, our goal of getting 10,000 pounds of trash, I tell people 10,000 pounds, so like you're out of your mind. Uh, well, we're a thousand pounds in. So we're excited to announce that. And, and I've had people reach out to me from, I mean, crap, from all over, all over, all over the, the, the U.S. here. Uh, hey, how do we do this? How do we get involved? And I always tell them, go to the website, consequenceofhabit.org. Go to our events. From there, you're going to see where you can register. So this doesn't have to be just an individual thing. If you've got a bunch of coworkers, you want to get people involved, uh, we will do everything we can to support that, whether that's getting a couple of shirts out there or, or, or some supplies, whatever we can do, then uh, we're going to try and support you. Uh, we have another partnership coming up. Everyone knows about our partnership with Athletic Brewing. Everyone knows it. Uh, well, we have another one with Aerial Resupply Coffee. I just had on, on Mike Clemmer, who's the founder of this company, I stand behind what they're doing. Um, these guys are serving those who serve us. It just so happens they're doing it with amazing coffee. And Mike and this company, they are supporting a couple nonprofits. And we are happy to say that Consequence of Habit happens to be one of them. So there'll be a link on our website, how to order amazing coffee. And at the same time, uh, you're going to be supporting us. So look out for that. All right. That brings us to this week's guest. This week's guest is a gentleman by the name of John Vargo. He's got 20 plus years as a firefighter. And like many people in these fields, uh, he was exposed to trauma on a regular basis and he masked it. On the exterior, he looked like he had all this shit together. Uh, But deep down, he was suffering. Even when he didn't realize he was suffering, he was suffering. And it wasn't until he was retiring uh, that that he, he came across this thing called mindfulness and, med- and meditation. And it's completely transformed his life. So much so that he started a nonprofit called Turn In. And their whole goal is to help first responders and their families, not just them, because man, this whole thing is a, it's, it's a partnership. And it's to train them how to deal, give them alternatives to deal with the, the everyday trauma and stress that they are, they are seeing, experiencing, 
Um, he's just doing unreal things. He's also the host of the Inside Job podcast. And I listened to this gentleman's episode about his experience with alcohol and, and uh, the crossroads he came to when he had to part ways with that, with that little devilish liquid. And I was extremely moved by it. Now, I was extremely moved for a couple different reasons. There was a lot of a lot of similarity in his story, at least with his relationship with alcohol and mine. Uh, but even if I wasn't, man, to hear this man uh, who's achieved a lot of things be as vulnerable as he was, it was a it was a very powerful episode. So please check out uh, their uh, excuse me his podcast, the Inside Job Podcast, where he's a co-host. That's it. I'm going to let John tell his story because he does it better than me. Please welcome the podcast, John Fargo. All right, everybody. Uh, today I'm joined by John Vargo. I already said that in the intro, but uh, John and I have a couple things in common. We've got some mutual friends going back to the seven degrees of separation from Chris Norris. Um, yep. The both being first responders, uh, both mm-hmm. like tipping them back at one point in our life, and then and. And also at some point having to make a decision, right? Like you got, you got to, you got to take one road because the road, what the road we're on is, is it's not working anymore. So <laughs> we know where that ends. Yeah, right. <laughs> so we, we, luckily we found an exit ramp uh, at some point. So, uh, John, first off, man, I appreciate you coming on here and doing this with me. Absolutely. My pleasure. All right. So let's, let, let's lay some groundwork here first. Um, you know, I just gave you a, a little intro as far as your, your job and, and, you know, some of the directions we're going to be heading, but, but tell us about maybe, uh, your, your job as a first responder. We'll start with that. Um, maybe where you worked, some of your past history and, and then we'll kind of work from there. Sure. Sounds good. Uh, thanks for having me on JT. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so I got my start in the first responder world in 1997. I knew prior, a couple of years prior to that, that I definitely wanted to be a firefighter. And so, of course, you know, the, the process of going through that is uh, pretty complicated and, and competitive. So I was ended up I was hired by the city of Chandler Fire Department, which is a suburb of Phoenix. And we're, by the time I retired, there was 11 stations and uh, I think there was about 220 sworn guys. It's probably more than that now, I would think so. I've been retired for five years, but yeah, but I had a fun career. Uh, we had a we had a blast for sure, no doubt about it. I retired as an engineer paramedic. Most of my career, um, I was an engineer paramedic, at, and eighteen years of that was paramedicine, and then uh, five years on, I became an uh, engineer, and uh, and I just fell in love with that position. And then with that, I was able to uh, have some successful side businesses on the on the side, and. Um, but I just really love driving. I loved yeah. uh, whipping in and out of traffic and scaring people. <laughs> but uh, and then we were in Arizona too, so uh, definitely hot in the summertime. So you know, being in the cab with the AC, it, you know, that didn't hurt anybody sure. on a nice summer day. It, um, is, is that is that where you're from? You, did you grow up in Arizona? Yeah, born and raised in Phoenix, and uh, since six years ago, we moved to San Diego. But um, yeah. Born and raised, still have family there. My brother still works on the fire department in Chandler. He's been there 20 years now, just this past March. So shout out to Dave on that. Good job. Who's also an engineer paramedic. Oh, really? <laughs> Must run, run in the family. It, well, um, that's funny you say that. Is it something you knew 
as, as a kid, like, Hey, when I grow up, this is what I want to do. You know, it's funny that, uh, I'll have to send you the picture, but it, there's a picture of my brother and I, when we were little kids wearing squad 51 helmets <laughs> and like plastic yellow rubber coats. Uh, and, and then, so, you know, in our little toy fire trucks and whatnot, but that kind of went our way. And then, but really what rekindled it for me was, uh, the high school I went to in Phoenix, uh, St. Mary's high school. Uh, some of my football coaches were, they worked for Phoenix fire. And then a lot of my friends, their dads worked for Phoenix fires or uncles. And so that just kind of like rekindled all that. And then when I had graduated high school, like, all right, what am I going to do with my life? And, um, uh, then I started doing ride alongs with that. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is it. This is where I belong for sure. So is that what you did? You, you jumped right from high school and went right into the fire service. Yeah. So I, I yep, went to, uh, community college, get my associates and fire science degree, and then went to Arizona state. And then when I was at Arizona state was, it, uh, was hired on Chandler fire. Uh, so I was the youngest firefighter at the time, uh, when I got hired uh, for the city. No shit. So, yeah. So it was pretty cool. I was a young guy, um, you know, a whole career ahead of me and, uh, just fired up, ready to go. So nice. it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you and I spoke on the phone. I mean, it's, yeah, that's gotta be what three or four months ago. And we kind of just mm-hmm. shared both of our, our journeys a little bit. Um, explain if you can explain this, this dynamic of, of you've got this, this job as a fireman, you're looked at by a lot of people as, as you know, you're, you're serving the community that name, you know, that title of heroes can be thrown at you quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but, you, you got something else going on. You, you, you're, you're realizing or, or you're, you're dealing with just a lot of traumatic incidents on a regular basis and, and you, you start finding yourself um, finding ways to escape some of these things you're going through. And, and, and I'm going to, I'll shut up now because I, I feel like I'm just putting words in your mouth, but explain what that process was like for you. Um, and mm-hmm. then maybe uh, when you started getting this inkling, like, oh man, something, I don't know if this is sustainable. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, for me, I, so I worked 20 years in the fire service and as I look back on who I was early on, I was just telling the story to my wife that I'm like, Hey, remember this, the night of our graduation from the fire Academy, we were at a guy's house or maybe I'm getting my timelines confused, but somewhere in that area, we were, we were all at someone's house for a party prior to us going to our first day of, of work. And so, which was going to be like a few days later. So we're out partying, we're having a good time. And of course, turns out, I think I was the one drinking the most, <laughs> which I didn't notice at the time, but I ended up slipping and falling in the kitchen. We were running in and out of the pool doing who knows what we were doing. And I ended up having to get stitches. So my first day of work, I showed up with stitches uh, <laughs> above my eye. And I remember one of the guys cutting them out. He's like, ah, oh, you don't need to go to the ER. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll take these out for you here, you know? And so that was like day one red flag. I should have probably, but you know, as I went through my career, like, no, this is what everyone did. This was the culture. This was the social norm, um, of how we do things on our days off. We're going to work hard. We're going to party hard. Um, but I definitely took it to an extreme, you know, um, but a lot of my friends, uh, we were all in the same boat, but, um, as I look back again, you know, I was, I was 
definitely charging a little harder than the next guy, but I didn't see anything wrong with that. And no one was calling me out on it. So where it really started compounding and getting worse was, uh, probably in the, the last third of my career, I would say that drinking more and I wasn't processing the calls like I used to. And probably like around maybe even 17 years on, uh, when I would get drunk, I would start crying and start thinking about these calls. And yeah. I'm like, what is, like, what is this? Where is this all coming from? Where is this bubbling up from? And um, I'll just drink through it. It's no big deal. And of course, you know, <laughs> as I'm getting more depressed and, uh, you know, just falling down this, this you know, slippery slope, um, you know, the thought never occurred to me that I should stop drinking, you know, that, because drinking wasn't the problem. It was the calls, the calls were the problem or, you know, whatever it was. And, and, and I always thought I had processed those pretty, pretty good throughout the years, but, um, but clearly I didn't. And, and when it really hit me in square in the face was, uh, I mean, many times, like I could give you a thousand stories of when I should have probably stopped drinking. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you know, showing up to, to work when, you know, abusing my sick time and, or I should say not showing up to work, abusing sick time because I was too hungover to come into work. But none of these were red flags for me. Um, I was never called out on it that I was aware of, you know, so it was just part of this accepted culture, if you will. And maybe that's my interpretation of it, but that's just the way I felt with it. Yeah. I've Um, I've questioned that myself. Like, is that just the way I justified things in my own life by saying, Hey, that's just the way people do things. And, and, I mean, I'm, I tell you, the process of talking to other firemen, and this isn't, it's not a competition, right? Like everyone sees traumatic stuff, but, but on the, when you look at it, what firemen are seeing on a regular basis, and this, I mean, this really goes to police officers too. A lot of times they're, they're processing the the violence of of things as well, but uh, it's, it's funny that, that like this emotion you talk about that starts, you know, the alcohol for whatever reason, it like lifts this, this door to some of your emotion, emotions that are now just going to start coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, to look back now, yeah, but we haven't gotten to it, but you don't drink anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Is it crazy to look back and, and go, how the fuck did I not see this? This was I'm not the only problem, like the, the calls for sure. I mean, that, that right. is right. But, but that this thing that I thought might be helping me was, was only compounding this, this already traumatic stuff I was going through. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, I, like it was just adding gasoline to the fire <laughs> yes. and I was like, I, I mean, the definition of insanity. I mean, it was just like, I, I was out of my mind like thinking how the way I used to act to who I am now and how I act is just, it's so different. And it blows my mind of like how I thought that was okay. And how like shallow I really was, you know, like it was all about having a good time. There was no depth to me, especially any like, um, spiritual depth, if you will. But like, I don't want to use that in a, in a sense of like, but it was just like connection to self or, or, um, you know, having a deeper understanding of myself, this awareness, you know, having this, this, uh, just easy spirit about me, this easy calmness. And, you know, I, I make it sound like my life was just a drunken thing, you know, but it was like, for me, 
you know, there was, I would be, I was a binge drinker. Okay. So I would go, you know, I wasn't an alcoholic because I worked, you know, I didn't drink 10 days a month. <laughs> so clearly I'm not an alcoholic or the guy we just ran on who had, you know, 50 plastic bottles of vodka empty in his house and you're stepping over shit and McDonald's wrappers and all that crap. You know, that guy's at rock bottom. Like, Oh, when I get there, then I'll stop. Sure. You know, like clearly I'm not because I have a job and I'm important because I'm a public servant and you know, all of these excuses and, um, but I, what I would have is this like this cycle of like four to six weeks cycle of uh, maybe even a little longer, but this is called six to eight week cycle of me getting in trouble somehow, some way doing right. something right. stupid. Um, and then like, Oh shit, I should probably gather that, uh, gather myself back up. And then I would behave and do everything I can to do right. And then, slowly incrementally start having one drink, two drinks, three drinks over time, and then screw up again. You know, were, so. you, were you looking at your own life uh, and looking at other aspects of, of it? Like, were you working out at the time? Was there any other, like, I don't want to put self-help because it just, I mean, that just conjures images of, of, you know, Tony Robbins or, I mean, were you like mm-hmm. looking into anything else, trying to make yourself feel better as along with the alcohol? Yeah. So yeah, I was, I was, I've always been pretty active, uh, in regards to physical fitness. Um, you know, I would, I did a rim to rim to rim grand Canyon several years ago and it was, um, it was a blast, man. It took us, we did 45 miles in like 17 hours. Wow. And, but I would training for that, you know, I'd be running up down Calback mountain twice and I'm familiar with Phoenix area and I would be running long distances. So I would definitely be working out hard. I always worked out hard, but I would always party hard to support that, you know? And I just remember coming out of the grand Canyon thinking like we were down at the bottom, we were waking our way up. I'm like, Holy hell, I just want to be out of here. Right. I'm like, I just can't wait to have that cold beer, cold beer, cold beer, get to the top, grab that cold beer. I couldn't even like have a sip of it. It was like the nastiest thing to me. Um, Really? It was, it, I just couldn't, my body by that point was oh. like, bro, screw you. What'd you just do to me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not drinking beer. Right now. How about some wine? Yeah. You know, <laughs> well, it's Coors Light. Yeah, might as well be. <laughs> was part, did part of that help trick you though? Did the, the fact that you still did these things yeah. uh, and I'm only talking because that's for me, like I would go do some crazy active thing. I might get hammered. Mm-hmm. You know, I shouldn't even say hammer. I would, I would have oh, too much. Uh, to yeah. drink afterwards. And it's like, well, yep. uh, I don't have a problem. I mean, I just got done doing this 12 hour adventure race, or I just got done doing mm-hmm. you know, something else. Uh, I'm not the guy, you know, sitting on the corner, like you said, you know, there's, there's a yeah. million different ways to separate right. ourselves from, from somebody mm-hmm. who actually has a problem when in fact, that title for me was, was very fitting. Yeah, I absolutely bought into that for sure. Because if I knew if I was doing all these exercises and eating healthy, and most of the time when I'd stop drinking for like 30 days to, to show it, it was, it was all selfish reasons of like, okay, I need to lose 15 pounds or I need to lose whatever the weight was like, or I'll just switch it up. I'm just going to have vodka or tequila with fresh lime. And like, you know, however I could, um, you know, justify it in my mind that it was okay to do, you know, it's an insane, like it's an insane mind. At that point, it is, you know, I, totally. you're trying to have your cake and eat it too. Like I'm in, I'm this healthy person that, that looks good. People look up to me 
Um, but at the same time, it, it, you know, deep down, like what I'm doing is, is, uh, it's not serving me. It's not serving my family. It's what point did you even, if you look back now and you kind of Monday morning quarterback, at, at what point did you mm-hmm. think, okay, uh, I, th- this, I've gotten in trouble, whatever, what, whatever definition of that me that is, um, enough times I know personally, I, I have a problem, but I'm not at the point where I'm willing to put it out to the world uh, or my family or, or, you know, everybody else um, in fear that, that I have to actually follow through, right? Like once it's said, mm-hmm. once you put it out there, right. man, well, that, I mean, there's no going back from that. No. You know, God, there's so many times. The, the one that should have just did it for me when I was in high school, I ended up partying a lot and then we ended up getting in trouble getting arrested yeah. and and i was forced to go to uh aa meetings and have an alcohol counselor because of uh, what i was doing when i was drunk we were breaking into cars something i've never done like i mean it was just so yeah, right, right. out of my mind you know it was you know it didn't make sense my probation officer is like uh man <laughs> you, what are you doing here like you don't fit the mold man so like what's up um but of course I was only 17 and, you know, Oh, clearly I can't be drunk then, but countless times, um, many times, and especially towards the end of my drinking career, telling my wife, look, okay, I'm done. I'm done. Or I need, I need to back off. Or I'm going to slow down or I'm definitely going to slow down this time. I'm going to get my hands on this. I'm going to get my hands on the reins mm-hmm. and, and it's all going to be fine. It wasn't until, um, I let my family down for the last time that it was and the interesting thing was that last time, um, and I've talked about it before, uh, is that, so my son was snowboarding up in big bear, which is a couple hours away from us here in San Diego. He gets hurt on a Friday. I'm like, and I hadn't been drinking. I'm like, Hey, I'll come up and grab you. And he's like, no, I'm fine. So I'm like, all right. He's like, I'll tough it out. So friends come in town on a Saturday. Of course, another reason to party, get home like yeah. at two 30. Uh, and like Sunday morning, he's gone. My wife and daughter have a commitment. So I'm like, oh, well, it's a beautiful day and nice. I'm still feeling good from the night before. So I might as well go down to the beach bar. And so that ended up going poorly. Um, my wife's friend was there and she's like, you're drunk. You need to go home. Um, this is like three o'clock in the afternoon, right? Right, right. <laughs> like who's not hammered drunk at three afternoon on a Sunday? <laughs> um, so she ends up calling her and they end up getting me. And then I freak out, of course, because I have a right to yeah, yeah. do what I'm doing yeah. because, you know, as you said, hero, right? Yeah. <laughs> I've earned this badge of what I've done um, and what I've seen, you know? So, um, so I ended up passing out on the couch, waking up that next morning, like at four or five o'clock in the morning, or maybe how to remember exact time, but, um, but there were crutches in the living room and I'm like, what the hell, what is this from? Well, when my son came home, my wife took him to the emergency room and he had broke his ankle. And, you know, and I was just like, oh my God, you know, granted I would have been able, you know, all I've been able to do is take him to do the same thing. But like, um, but you know, 20 years in the fire service, helping other people, the last four years of my life would turn in, uh, you know, helping first responders deal with mental health issues 
And here I am, you know, completely worthless laying on the couch and he can't rely on me to be there for him. So that last week, so that a week goes by and man, it was not good around our house. I'm getting sick to my stomach. <laughs> like just hearing uh, it. Dude, that, it was the worst. That, that whole worst. thing of like, and this could just give me go from like a, a, a hard night out that those, those that split second from the time you open your eyes and then there's a realization of the situation you're in, like things are starting to clock, you know, come back to you and you're like, ah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you may not even like had done anything too stupid, but, but at the same time, you just know what the next 24 hours is, are going to feel like. Um, and then if you haven't done anything stupid, this is just speaking for myself. Um, <laughs> that sounds- if, if you hadn't, it was probably by luck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. <laughs> it wasn't that I was trying to prevent something. No, I, was, no, I was actively <laughs> waking up anxious, just guilty, no matter what, even if Jeez. I was just sitting at home, I see yeah, Sunday night football. I watched football, got drunk and then woke up Monday morning. Like, Oh shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. What? Oh, okay. Okay. All good. But you know, I, that feeling, I know that feeling, oh. that feeling of anxiousness and just, just shame and whatever it was. And, haven't had that feeling in like three years. It's freaking magical waking up every morning, bright eyed, like, all right, what like, are we going to oh, do today? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's I, when I see somebody, um, and I, and I'm, I'm always clear that, uh, that this is not a bash alcohol, uh, podcast no. or episode. Some people can handle it. It's just the, the, I know from the, the, the piece of wood that I'm cut from, it just doesn't work for me. And, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's, I'm, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm going to guess it's the same reason that you're a go-getter in whatever you're doing. You're all in. It's just it so happens that sometimes th- that happens to be in in a negative fashion, right? Like, so, so mm-hmm. if, if you're going to drink, you're going to go all in. Um, yeah. So, ah, crap, I don't even know where I was going with that, but <laughs> but, but I I don't know. I I definitely I when I see people in a state now it it gives me anxiety like i see them yeah. and, I, and i do and i know uh what the future holds the the and mm-hmm. and what their day is going to look like and uh, man i, I it's, it's like it brings back terrible terrible memories yeah uh, my hangovers were for days uh, like if i went on like a trip ski trip or whatever we were doing and it was like party time the whole time and then i knew that it was like a four day like friend of mine, he would be like, Hey man, it's like day one, day two, day three. Like we knew like how that all worked out. Uh, you know, how much time was wasted just sitting on the couch, trying to feel better, eating garbage food. I mean, it was just like this, that it wasn't all like, that was the last couple of years. Like yeah. it wasn't always like that. Yeah. It just progressively got worse. And to your point, it's like, yeah, that's exactly right. It sounds like we're exactly the same of like, Hey, whatever we're going to do, we're just, we're all in, man. Let's just go kick everyone's ass. And, um, a lot of my friends that are sober now, it's awesome. Cause now it's like, we've used all that energy that we used to spend and how much wasted time and energy. That's why I like trying to explain to people. It's like, okay, you're going on a trip. You're not an alcoholic and that's fine. And I get it. My wife still drinks, but like, she doesn't drink alcoholically, yeah. I, you know, and I know there's a difference. She can enjoy it. Like for me, it's like one and then we'll see what the hell happens. Yeah. Um, you know, check in and whenever I get done. 
but um um but the success of individuals and the, the level of people that i get to hang out with um because they're hard chargers you know yeah, and yeah. now they're using their hard charging for good and being of service to other people and, and being involved in communities and programs and uh, helping people out and it's like as I look back of like how selfish and self-centered I was, it was about, um, me. If I, if I was going to my wife's work party, well, of course she's going to drive there because I'm going to your work party and you know, like yeah, right. these aren't my people. So I'm going to have to drink. And then if we're going to my fire department function, well, you got to drive because it's my fire department function. And of course we're going to drink because we're the boys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> so, yeah. how, how dare you even think that it's going to go the other way? Um, do you ever find, because I, I, I spent so much time in that mindset and I still have to struggle with it, uh, to fight that a little bit. Do you, do you, do you ever find yourself, are you, uh, can you honestly say like, yeah, it's just not my thought process at all anymore. When I say the like kind of that selfishness of, of, um, you know, I, I'm doing this, I'm, I'm helping people. I, and I, I certainly don't want to portray anything. Again, this is just coming from my own experiences that, that mindset to change. I'm 46. I don't know how old you are. 48. 48. Um, it's, it's not like a, a, a switch flipped and all of a sudden I was different. Yeah. Um, no, it's definitely an active, uh, it's a daily practice yes. if you will. Uh, and I catch, myself faster when I'm in those moments. Yes. Uh, and I repair the damage faster. Quick. So like example, like this weekend, um, we were camping out. I have a van you can camp in, you know, and so we were doing all that it was just my wife and I, and, um, you know, a little past stressful kind of week for me. And, and, and I was just caught up in myself. Yeah. It's caught up in myself. And, you know, <clears throat> took me until like yesterday to like really kind of like slow everything down, make my amends, if you will, you know, to, to her, like, Hey, you know what? I just, there's a lot going on. I recognize it. And a lot of the stuff I was like thinking about stressing over were, were things I can't control. Right. And, uh, I, and I had a problem accepting what was, what was, and I didn't have a lot of patience around it, which came out as, um, lashing out at others. So I was, <laughs> um, so it, it was almost frustrating to me because I felt like I've come so far yes. and all of a sudden there was like this combination of all of these things that were happening. And, and I got caught up, I got caught up in that spiral. And so, um, but I, I took some, definitely some takeaways from that is that like some non-negotiables that I have to have, I have to get up and meditate. I have to do my journaling and I have to work out every day and it has to be really in that order because if I don't do that, it doesn't set me up well for the rest of the day. And, and I can, as I look back on some of the times that I've kind of struggled with things, it's like, I don't, I didn't something missed. So whether I was traveling or, you know, whatever that circumstance may be, um, I got off, you know, but then I'm in the same mindset too. It's like, I can't be so dependent on a ritual that if I miss it, it's going to send me off a little bit. Like I have to like, it, it just showed me there's a lot more self mastery uh, that I need to be working towards. And, you know, it's, um, it's definitely a work in progress, yeah. right? Like it, I'm, I'm better than I used to be. 
And I know that I have a lot of work to do, but I catch myself not being selfish. And I do what I can to put my family first. And I've even told my wife too, it's like, Hey, you know, like you should call a friend, tell her to like, uh, we were on there. I'm like, Hey, if you, if you see me getting a little monkey mind or squirrely, she's like, you should call a friend, <laughs> you know, just different guys I have in the program to like, to like check yourself, you know, yeah. you're getting, you're, you're kind of getting a little crazy on me. So check yourself. <laughs> what, what, yeah. Well, let's get into that. What was the process before we, cause I, I really want to talk about, about O2X and, and, mm-hmm. and turn in and, let's get to the point where, all right, shit hit the fan. I got to make a change. What does that change look like? Um, you know, what, what, what program was it? What did it, you know, how, how did you go about kind of tackling this, this monster that's been in your life for, for really all of your adult? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So back to that story of uh, my son, uh, that, you know, he breaks his leg in that week. No one's really talking to me. Well, a good friend of mine, I knew was recovery a friend from the gym. Meditation was actually our tie-in. And so for a year and a half prior to me making that decision is when I started meditating. And that's when I was introduced to meditation. And and every day in my meditation, uh, I would ask myself four questions. And one of those questions was, what do I want? And I would say, I want to stop drinking. And even on my vision board that I had, um, <clears throat> I have one on my phone, excuse me, <clears throat> And it had a picture of a beer. And then on the top of the beer was like a cross uh, skull and crossbones, you know, like poison symbol. And it was just something I would see every day and I would think about it every day. And so I, I, for me, I have to believe that that with like neural, with the neuroplasticity of me, like changing the way I perceived this drink and alcohol, that when that time came for me to say, I'm done, I knew it was over. She's my wife's looking at me on the couch a week later after, and I had drank that week. She's like, what are we going to do? And I'm like, I'm calling my buddy and I am, I'm done. I'm all done. And she's like, she knew it too. Like she knew that that was it. She's like, holy shit. Like, and and as soon as I, Oh my God, man. Like (laughs) that was my moment. And as soon as I said it, I knew it's interesting because I knew at that moment, I never had to drink again. And the split second before that was, um, like, when can I drink again? Like how much time do I have to wait for this one to blow over? And the thought of never drinking again used to scare the shit out of me. And now it's like, thank God I never have to drink again. So that weight was relieved from me. So, um, so right away I got connected into a 12 step program, um, here in North County, San Diego. And it's, I have nothing to compare it to. So I don't, you know, I don't know, but just the guys in the rooms are just like, Hey man, it's it's one of the best in the country of what the kind of community we have here. And it's in San Diego itself. It's just such an active outdoor community. People are just healthy living here just because, and then you add this sobriety on top of it. And there's just this whole other community. Like my men's meeting on Fridays is held at a bar in Solana beach. Um, there's a hundred guys in there at least and we're all packed in there. It's my favorite meeting. Everyone's like just talking shit, but I mean, <laughs> in, in a good way, you yeah, know, we're supporting each other, but like the fellowship is like, it is the best. It, it's just an amazing uh, group of people that I have in my life now. And, and we were just down in uh, Cabo for a buddy, one of our guys, um, 
wedding. Mm. And a lot of the wives got to meet each other for the first time. And it was really cool to see, like, they have so much in common, right? Like I, I I consider them survivors. Like they, they survive as assholes for so many years. And now just seeing, um, it it was really interesting to see there was 80 people at this wedding and large portion of them were sober and the others were not. And the difference in their mentality, um, of you can, my group was just such a humble group yeah. and they, they didn't, they weren't speaking out. They weren't yelling out stupid shit during the wedding. You know, like that's what I would be doing. Yes. You know, yelling out stupid shit. I used to do it at our awards banquets at the, you know, yelling out dumb stuff because I think I'm funny or whatever it is. And, um, so I'm, I'm fortunate to have that, that network and that community here. Um, another one meeting they do here is it's at the belly up, which is a, um, a music venue. And it's a famous music venue and it's, it's interesting. It's just another bar. It's funny. All my meetings are at bars, <laughs> but I, I, I mean, alcohol is so neutral to me. It doesn't matter. But, um, um, but again, like we'll have a hundred plus people in that meeting. And, um, it's just great to see because you have all walks of life in there. You have, um, you know, the young to the old long time sobriety. And, um, it's just, again, it's just, I'm so lucky that, I found that. So that community has just really grown. Like tonight I have a standing Monday night uh, group, a a men's group, uh, the Tuesday night men's group. There's just small, but there's like 10 of us in each one. And then, um, you know, I'm pretty active in that community, uh, giving back what was so easily given to me and and helped me through these, the process. But, um, it's just, I, it's interesting because I mean, I definitely have a lot of close relationships on the fire department. Um, you know, a lot of close friends, brothers, if you will. Um, but I, with the exception of like one or two guys, I have a closer connection with the guys in, in my group over the last three years than I've ever had because it's real. Like we've torn down these walls and we're vulnerable with each other. Like, Hey man, I have a problem and I don't know how to solve it, but and that's what it comes down to. It does. It's not about like, oh my god, I'm going to pick up a drink today. It's like, how can I help you calm yourself or work through issues, give you a solution, or you know, however that may look, to calm yourself so you don't have to wind up twenty steps down the road that you end up picking up a drink. You know, it's this yeah. program for living, really. Yeah, it is, and and it's it's a it's like a medication for a mindset. Uh, yeah, because because. Because even talking to you, I mean, full transparency, I, I haven't been to a meeting in, in a while, and you're exactly right. Um, you're, I mean, one, you're super fortunate that you've got such a, sounds like just such an amazing group around you to, that, that yeah. really supports each other. Um, but, but it is, it's, it's, you know, you'll hear it, people that have been in the rooms know, like, it, may, maybe just the way our brain works, the way the chemicals go, like, it is, uh, it's an operating system that is easily corrupted is the way I kind of, I think about it. Mm-hmm. And, and I, so I always have to be careful on that because uh, without that kind of checks and balances of having the right people around you is to maybe point out, I mean, I'm right. the guy who, who became my sponsor. I remember the first time he, um, I felt, uh, I was a, he's a buddy that I go climbing with and we were driving back from a climbing gym and it, he wasn't my sponsor before this. Like this happened while, you know, you, you can spot your own, right? Like he, mm-hmm. I spotted him. I was just thinking about being sober and, and 
long story. And I, and I kind of opened up for the first time because I was around, uh, uh, somebody you feel like you can talk to, right? Because they've yeah, been in there. Right. And you might have, I've even found those people that were actively drinking when I was drinking people. I could be on it. Like I could, you know, we could joke about where the, the bottles were hidden or something along those lines. <laughs> and, um, but this guy turned to me, he goes, yeah, man, you, you're, you're a sick puppy right now. And it was the first time somebody had turned to me and said that to me. And, and he almost said it in joking fashion, but he wasn't joking. And I knew right. he wasn't joking. And that, that one, that one, like it stung and, it, and he was right. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm just kind of getting to the, back to the point of having those people around you that, that are able um, to call out your bullshit too, because yeah. you're obviously great at communicating and I'm sure you were very good at, at coming across like you had everything together for the, most of your life. Right. For sure. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And that's what, um, I think justified it too in my mind too, because I've had successful businesses outside the fire department, yeah, right. you know, and, and, and for me to pack up and retire at 20 and move to San Diego and, you know, just like, like, Oh, I got this shit freaking figured out. Nailed. Yeah. Like, not even close, but it was just this facade. And that's some of the, the thinking of like, well, I have a good career. I'm, I'm all of these things. Um, the wife's happy. Kids are happy. Job's good. So I can do, it's okay. Whatever, it's okay. Yeah. You know? Um, and there, the, you know, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned the meditation thing and that's kind of where I was going when I said, Hey, were you doing any other self help? Mm-hmm. Obviously you're exercising because that some of your stories so similar where I'm like, I'm doing, I'm meditating, I'm doing breath work. I'm doing all these yeah. things. Right. Uh, but I'm still drinking at night, waking up hungover, <laughs> feeling shame, like, you know, mm-hmm. all of these, these, these things that come along with that yet it, it's, it's insanity. At the same time, I'm trying to yeah. improve my life, uh, through meditation right. where there's this one thing, if I just didn't do it, my <laughs> life would get way better. But, uh, so uh, let's, let's turn about, let's talk about, uh, uh, turn in. When did yeah. that start? Uh, it, was it, in your sobriety, did you get sober? Like, what did what did that process look like? How did those two yeah. kind of collide? So, uh, retired in July 2017, October of 2017. I was like the deepest, darkest depression state I had been ever. When I retired from the fire department, I had set up another business in San Diego that ended up not working out the way I anticipated. Um, so, basically, for six months, maybe a little less than. Um, I had no purpose. I essentially lost my identity as a firefighter, which the interesting thing was I never thought I attached to that. Right. You know, cause I'm like, Oh, I got other things. And like, it, guys would joke me, Oh, fire department's your side job. <laughs> yeah. But you know, but no, it did. It, it meant a lot to me. And it was a very important part. I mean, I, I would, I grew up in the fire department. I was a young guy. Right. And like, they, they raised me to, you know, and so it's very near and dear to my heart. And so, um, so that would definitely played into it. The drinking played into it, you know, just drinking more than not having to be responsible really for anything, thinking I had everything all figured out. So that October I was ready to like, I was so, I was suicidal. I was, I was depressed. I had reached out to a fire department resource, um, and that ended up not working out. And so just, not getting, not getting better, not improving. We have some close friends of ours that, um, are into meditation. And so they suggested that we go check out this retreat. Uh, the husband, he's, um, you know, 
works. He's a concrete guy. It worked his way up to the ranks of the company, but he, you know, he had, he had told me that, that, that meditation and these retreats had saved his marriage at one point. So I'm like, okay, well, if he, if he took it and learned from it and he's like a man, then I'm going to, I'm going to go, what do I have to lose? Right. Well, at that retreat, it was a four day retreat in, in San Diego here. Uh, it was through Chopra center, Deepak Chopra. It was one of their uh, retreats. It's called transcending emotions. <laughs> and so, um, I'm just, picturing, that, I'm, I'm just picturing a concrete guy at, at transcending emotions. Right now. It's, <laughs> it's like, if you went, well, anyone can we go. were, <laughs> we had fun needless to say. Yeah. Um, but, um, but it was, um, it was, it was exactly what I needed at that time. Right. And I don't know if I would have ever received it the way I did at that moment, but it was the first time in, in like, as far as I could remember that I had found this slice of peace and like just being content with like just being in myself. Right. And so it, it literally shifted me that weekend. And so I left there and I'm thinking, how, how do I bring this to the fire department? Like, this is, like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to, so I ended up meeting with people at Chopra and, and I'm like, Hey, this is, this is who I am. This is what I want to do. How do I do it? And they connected me to a group called meditation, which is uh, veterans meditation, veteran meditation. And so I ended up meeting with them shortly after like a couple of weeks later. And, and they kind of pointed out what, like what they do and, and how they help first responders or uh, veterans and bring meditation to them because the founder had profound uh, experience. He was a special forces guy through meditation. And so that really helped shift his life. So he was essentially giving back. He had that same experience I did. And, and so over that next few months, um, I became a meditation instructor through Chopra. And then we had our first retreat at Chopra. And, uh, and then since that time, um, so I would, like I said, I was meditating every day, but I was changing. Like I was starting to things were slowing down for me i was finding you know peace i was getting more centered um and then i was flying and driving every week out to scottsdale to help out with the uh, first responder program there and i was able to see a lot of the changes and stuff that were going on within the, the individuals that i was helping out at this at this um uh, program in scottsdale they were doing and but my brother-in-law he he's like hey um you're a hypocrite, you know, you're, um, you know, you're saying this stuff is helping you, but yet you're still getting drunk on the weekends and yeah. making bad decisions, wow. you know, and that pissed me off so much at the time. <laughs> like, like I didn't want to hear that. Um, but it's true, you know, so that, that kind of like really kind of sat and chipped away at me. And, and, um, but it was again, like through all my meditation, meditation, but like, what, what really, when I stopped drinking and started meditating, man, everything changed, like everything. And so when my meditation, the only way I can really describe it is like alcohol was a disruption in my frequency or vibration or my connection to myself, if you will. And so if my mind is not at ease because it's hungover or whatever the deal is, all the damage I had done to it then how am I supposed to really find peace and align myself to something? Um, you know, it, you know, for me, it, my higher power is this, this universe, this earth, this, you know, all of the things around us that we're all connected. And it's, um, why am I trying to disrupt that connection to it? 
And so when, when I stopped drinking and started meditating, it was like 10 X hundred X of what I was gaining and, and just the clearer mind and, and the pauses between reacting to stuff. And, um, it was, it was next level of like zoning in on of what was wrong. Yeah. Because the two are counterintuitive, right? I mean, you got this one thing that brings you to an altered state that, that really isn't, you are disconnecting from yourself. Um, mm-hmm. and there's a reason people run to it when they're stressed or, uh, uneasy in their own mind. And at the same time, you're supposed to be, at the same time you're meditating and trying to be as in tune with yourself and, and mindful. And yeah, there's a, those are two opposite, you know, it's, it's like, I don't know what a good comparison is. It's like running every day, but, but only drinking milkshakes or something, you know, it's like, they, like those two <laughs> don't, they don't jive. Right. Um, no, they don't. <laughs> all right. So, so you start, you end up, you, you, you stop drinking through, you go, mm-hmm. you start working through the 12 steps, which you yeah. said a lot of things too, where, God, this is where the, the similarities as you, you talk about control, you talk about the things that you can control and things that you can, mm-hmm. yeah. um, even through the process of meditating, uh, uh, you're getting in tune with your, with your own body, your own mind, a 12 step will start connecting the reasons you do the things that you do. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm sensing some stoicism here as well. Has stoicism been a part of your journey? You know, recently, uh, it really has been. So my morning ritual for the last like two months, uh, I'll box breathe for 25 minutes. And, and I, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but um, of course, yeah. inhale for, okay. Yeah. Well, well explain it just, um, just in case somebody listened. Yeah. So box breathing, um, you know, I've been teaching box breathing for years just as like a, Hey, a tool to reset, you know, like, Hey, ground yourself. And, um, it wasn't until recently where I started doing more research and digging into like what it's, what it's all about, where it came from. And, um, but for me now it's, of course, it's a, it's a using the box as a grounding tool. So I'm going to inhale for five, hold for five, exhale for five, and then hold for five. And, so, but I never thought to look up the science behind it. Like, you know, I'm only breathing, you know, six times a minute or, um, <clears throat> which has a better effect on my body. I'm taking longer, deeper, thorough breaths. Um, and on top of that, it's focus training. So now I'm working on my attention and focus in my mind, drawing that box. So of course my mind's going to wander. I'm going to come back. So I'll do that box breathing for, like I said, 25 minutes, nailed it this morning, of course, non-negotiables now, got to get it done. But what I'll do is with the, um, the Daily Stoic, Ryan Holiday, I will listen to his like morning podcast or something and, or just think, you know, somehow that might offer some insight, but then I'll um, uh, journal around what was talked about, you know, uh, around different things that they've come up with. So I really like it. In fact, Today, I just got a notification that I got his uh, new book, and um, and I can't remember the name of it, but uh, I'm going to give it to my son, so hopefully Dylan doesn't listen to this before. Uh, let's see. Um, where is it? I don't know. Not important, but um, what is it? Uh, oh, it doesn't say it in the thing. Oh, the boy who would be king. Yes. A fable about Marcus Aurelius. Yes. So um just fascinated by all that stoics like it's just it's just awesome my my sponsor sends me a page from the big book every day and i send him a page mm-hmm. from uh from, from <laughs> a, 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 this is pretty much going a, 
uh, from the daily stoic back and forth. Uh And I got a group of, uh, uh, I don't know about eight people now. Um, and I know if I start my day and and even saying that I didn't do it today, (laughs) but if I start my day by reading that, sending it off to other people, it's almost Mm -hmm. irrelevant if they read it. But if I've gone through that, that process of doing that, Mm -hmm. then I've started my day off in a positive fashion, right? Like I've done something positive to start the day. Uh, Yep. And I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of synergy between a 12 step program and stoicism. Uh, mm-hmm. I, like I've even seen where a lot of the 12 steps almost come directly from, and I don't, I don't know the validity of that, but I can mm-hmm. definitely see why, um, again, just trying to figure out why the hell we do the things we do and, yeah. and being brutally honest about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. All right. So, so how does this translate into uh, turn in. So, um, you know, as far as it's interesting, like turn in. So what we do at turn in. So when I started turn in, uh, that, that happened in, I guess I didn't talk about that. Like talked about the route of what we're doing, but like turn in started in, what did I get? It was like April of 2018. And the whole idea was to sponsor, to raise funds, to sponsor, uh, firefighters to go to Chopra, retreats okay. like that was the initial model right um which was kind of funny because i did that uh in august of 2018 so i i took my my group and then we partnered with meditation so there was like 15 first responders military guys you know and then we embedded them in to a chopra retreat with basically 200 women um oh, no. which this is <laughs> It's not a good model. Um, <laughs> that, was, that was terrible you know, planning. <laughs> uh, you know, what? I love Chopra, man. They, they crushed it, right? But it was just, uh, ideally, we would have our own space without yes. the distractions of, you know, of, you know, a lot of the women were um, excited that there were guys out there that were in touch <laughs> with themselves and, um, you know. I don't need to get into details, but <laughs> anyways, um, it was, uh, it was pretty funny. Uh, I had to actually sneak my brother out. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, no. oh no. So, um, so lessons learned on that, but since then, um, and I'm still actively involved with Chopra. So there, I, I just helped them do, um, they, they launched a 21 day business Kickstarter and I was day four of that. So that was cool to be included oh, in all that. Sure. And, um, yeah, I still have a lot of close friends over there. And, um, but yeah, that, that, they, uh, they definitely helped me to, you know, be who I am today for sure. Um, so, uh, so, but since then it's evolved a lot. So, you know, it was a firefighters. Now it's, uh, it's, you know, it's first responders, it's military and, and really the most of the work I've been doing over the last few years has been, working primarily with like individuals, you know? So if JT calls me up and says, Hey, I need to learn how to meditate or I need a little help here. I'm like, all right, right on. So we'll, I'll, I'll give my time to that individual and teach them how to meditate. And, and a lot of it comes down to just me doing what I'm doing right now. Right. Like just sharing my story and then, and then giving them the tools and then pulling them accountable to go through stuff. Um, I also took a course at um, UC San Diego that's called MP. It's mindful performance enhancement, awareness, and knowledge. And that course was started for us Olympic athletes and UC San Diego 
uh, neuroscientists created that. Uh, so for those athletes to perform better in the Olympics, well, that's really taken on a whole head of steam of itself. And the, um, the director of that program, Pete Kirchmer, he's a, he's a friend of mine. He's also very involved with Chopra. He's the director of coaching for Chopra as well. Um, you know, he, he has contracts with like, you know, border patrol, secret service, yeah. Homeland, so I guess all of Homeland security. Um, so they, they teach a lot of those, um, courses there. And, um, so I all deliver that as well to first responders because, um, you know, selling them, if you will, um, mindfulness based around performance may be a better sell than 5,000 year old Vedic traditions, you know, but, but each to his own, right. So like when I came in, that's what I identified with. So just, it's been a great learning platform. So I'll take guys through that program as well. Um, we've done, um, workshops around that. And then lately, um, over the last like probably year and a half, we've been doing couples retreats, which have been my favorite of all time. It's, um, so what we'll do is we'll have a one day retreat. We'll go, we've done them in Scottsdale and San Diego, mm-hmm. start the day off with the couples acro yoga, which is a ton of fun because no one, you know, no one does acro yoga. Right. So I don't even know what it it's, is. It, so, um, perfect. <laughs> you qualify. Um, <laughs> uh, so you would just, you know, you show up and you have, um, you would do different yoga poses with your significant other uh-huh. and, you know, balancing stuff and okay. they like a lot of stuff you wouldn't think that you'd be able to do, but, uh, the instructor Kendall, uh, she does a great job of like telling, working through, um, you know, how to do it how to build on each level. And so it's a great building block, um, with, with trust and connection with the, with the spouses. And then from there we move into Wim Hof style breath work. So my instructors that I've had come out are Wim Hof certified guys or, you know, trained directly under Wim Hof himself. And then, um, and then we'll do some ice immersion, get into the two minute ice bath. And my wife for months, she knew it was coming, right? She's like, this is terrible. I hate cold water. And so I'm like, when it was finally, I'm like, how'd it go? And she's like, Oh, it was worse than I thought. Really? <laughs> so, but so shout out to her. She ended up doing it, um, in our last retreat a couple months ago, she got in again. I was surprised. Oh, so, great. um, and then, um, afternoon workshop will typically just depends on what we want to open up around and focus on. So that just varies, depends. And then the last portion is my meditation. We'll talk to them about how to meditate and, um, you know, we'll, we'll guide them through some sort of meditation at the end, but, um, but it's been a lot. I mean, it's, it's definitely, as I look back, I see turn in has really kind of, um, followed me in regards to like what, as I have grown, turn in has grown in that direction of what we're going to be doing now, you know, and, um, it's a lot of work. I mean, as, as I'm sure, you know, with, with uh, consequence of habit of like, you know, I just saw you guys did a, a workshop, you know, yeah. recently and like, you know, getting the funds for that, you know, putting it on and getting the support. I mean, it, it's just, it's a ton of energy and work that I know that you know about. So, um, yeah, just, but, but the payback is just, it's tenfold yeah. seeing these, these changes in individuals. I just, I love it. Love well, giving that away. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to take a quick break from this episode to remind you of something. Consequence of Habit is is obviously a podcast. You're listening to it, but it's a it's an arm of something more. It's part of our 501c3 nonprofit. 
Uh, and our mission is to bring awareness to the impact that habits have on our mental health or success in the environment. And we do that through this podcast and also by in-person workshops where we, we bring in instructors, people way more qualified and knowledgeable than me. And we show people different avenues, different ways uh, to help them. So I help them improve their habits, improve their mental health, their success and the environment. So if you are so inclined and if it's in your means, please, I, I ask you to head over to our website, consequenceofhabit.org and hit donate, hit support, whatever the button is there to, to help us bring these, these workshops to more people and have more of an impact. Thanks. This next message goes out to all my beer snobs out there. If you're listening to this and you enjoy a high quality beer, I don't care what kind of beer it is. It could be a light beer. It could be an IPA. It could be stout, porters, whatever it is. And I want to ask yourself, has my love of really good beer been the root cause of feeling like crap the next day? I'm not talking about completely hungry. Maybe just, maybe just a little under the weather. I got the solution. Check out athleticbrewing.com. These guys are making the finest quality craft beers out there. They just don't have that poison in them. So whether you're just trying to show up as a parent, as an employee at a sporting event, whatever it is, you just want to be clear-headed. Or maybe you're like me, you just want to be sober. Well, then do yourself a favor. Go to athleticbrewing.com. Use the promo code capital C-O-H-20, and you're going to get 20% off your first order. Well, you, you alluded to it. The, the, to get the buy-in from from people in these communities isn't always easy. And, and it, sometimes it's just the way it's packaged, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you have to say the right things to these people um, because it's not like they're showing up. They, they didn't go f- come from uh, the, the, the yoga studio into turn in to learn more. Like these are people mm-hmm. that, that these worlds are, are pretty foreign to them. So when you mm-hmm. have, there has to be, uh, a way to to come to these people and, and let them know, all right, these are the benefits, and, it, and they have to be mm-hmm. the benefits that that uh, are going to appeal to them. Um, yeah, because a lot of times, you know, just like we didn't know, not that we've got it all figured out, but you didn't know what why you were hurting or what you needed at, at a point in your mm-hmm. life. You know, you, th- you yeah. If if we did, we wouldn't have been looking for it in 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 a bottle. So right. uh, that that is uh, Chris Chris Norris and I were just talking about that and. Um, like, how do you do that? How do you get that hook to get somebody to come in? And, and I found even from the event that we did, you know, every, everything you do is a learning process and we offered it for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't regret that, but, but when, when people hear it's free training, they can sign up and then decide like, dude, I'm, I, yeah. I'm not going to go. I got nothing to lose. It's not like I paid right. for this thing. Um, right. But, uh, you know. I should, maybe I should have hit you up first before I started doing these things. Get some, some, <laughs> you know what? I've done both. I've, I've, I've put them out free, but like the couples retreats, um, you pay for, uh, for that because I want them to have skin in the game of, you know, Hey, you're paying for something. And, um, the hundred club of Arizona, their, uh, foundation that was started many years ago, like fifties or sixties for fallen police officers and firefighters, uh, spouses for line of duty deaths. Then they're their support. So they're, they're an amazing organization in Arizona. They, they help thousands of first responders. And so they have a program, a wellness program, and they, they help me make it a manageable cost for people to come in mm-hmm. because instructors are expensive to come in and, and pay for this. Yeah. Um, and, and all the, all the things attached to it, it's not cheap to put this stuff on. And, 
but they get the best. Right. And so you, you got to feel that. Right. So I, th- I think our last buy-in was $150 a couple, which is super cheap. Yeah. Um, I mean, $75 a head and the experience you get, it's just amazing. And I mean, really it's, it should be more of like $500 a couple, uh, which is really the cost of to do these things. You know, back to your comment, I think what you're doing, Chris is doing, um, it's, it's how we present in my eyes of like, we're walking the walk. People can say, Hey, JT, why are you the way that you are? And well, it's because this is the way I live my life. And especially the people that knew you prior, I can almost guarantee you, I didn't know you prior, but I'm sure you're a lot different person. I'm a different person than what I was before. There's no doubt about it. I'm physically different. By the time I stopped drinking, I, I was 40, 35 to 40 pounds heavier than I am now. Um, my demeanor, just the, there's how I am, um, is different. So when people see me doing what I'm doing, talking about what I'm talking, I'm not full of shit. I am who I am. Like, and so, um, you know, I know my brother, you know, he talks about him being on the job that he's like, Hey man, guys will ask, you know, what, Hey, what's John up to? Yeah. What's he doing? Like, what's this different? And like their first thought of when I got into this was like, what's his angle? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. how's he going to profit on this? And I can tell you my non nonprofit <laughs> is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been my passion for four years of giving this back. And, and this was never the plan, but the people that see us living happy lives and just being joyous because it's a Monday morning at 10 AM, um, that we get to, we get to be happy. Um, instead of going around, like my nickname when I retired was angry, John, you know, people, they, the people that don't know me, they laugh at that. Like, dude, really? I don't see, I don't see that in you, you know, but the man, I was, I was crawling out of my own skin. I made fun of everyone. I was just so critical of things, so judgmental. And it was just like, that has just been dissolved. You know, it's just, I'm just not that way because I'm comfortable in my own skin now. Yeah. I'm, I'm comfortable being me and it's easy to be me now. It took a lot of work, but, um, you know what? I'm, I'm good. You know, and I find that it's just easier to go through life and, you know, if people don't like me, then I'm sorry, you don't like me, but, um, but okay. For whatever your reasons are, yeah. uh, you know, but was that, was that yeah. something you were sensitive to before? Oh yeah. Yeah. I definitely wanted to be liked and, um, you know, be the not class clown, but like, I wanted to be the center of attention at things and parties. And, you know, I wanted to be me all about me, you yeah. know, now it's like, I don't want any of that, even though a lot of stuff I'm doing puts me <laughs> out. Um, but I don't, I don't see it as like me trying to, for me, I just want to let people know about things that I didn't know about. Right. That's where it stems from. So my passion is pushing um, me into places that I'm being sought after, if you will, if that, you know, if that makes, I mean, just even being on your podcast, it's like, um, you know, we get to talk about our struggles in hopes that, you know, it'll help somebody else or that there's a hope. And you talked earlier, it's like, Hey, we know where this road goes, right? Well, we know that this road leads to death. 
that's where it ends. I mean, all roads will lead to that, but like, we know the path is going to be shitty and it's going to be terrible and guilty and shame and all the other things that go around it. Or I can go down this other path where it's like happiness, joyous, um, you know, just ease of life, yeah. if you will. I shouldn't say ease of life and we're all going to experience problems, but like, it's just a better way to live. Yeah. And and my life is way better. You hear that, you know, like life beyond your wildest dreams, right? It is. It, it really is. It's been like, and, and really has anything changed? No. I mean, other than me, but like from the outside sense. Yeah, nothing's changed. No, but I, I get to like see it though. I get to see the beauty around me. I get to see the smiling faces. I get to experience the winds and be present with my family of when they experience happiness or joy or, you know, of, um, I don't know. I've never, and then there's so many circumstances where I would put alcohol first of like family vacations and like, Oh, we're just going to sit on the beach and drink beer because that's what dads do. Meanwhile, you know, why, why wasn't I, in the ocean with my kids, yeah. you know, or, or, you know what I mean? it's like, it's little tiny things like that, that like were make up all the big moments. Right. Yeah. Which yeah. I wish I had back. Yeah. That's, I don't a, have them. That's the, try not to, to struggle with that too much, but, but like that, cause it's, we get, that goes back to this control thing. Like can't control that. Right. That, that time yeah. is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I, I, I've definitely battled with that myself. Like, Hey, Hey, there there's that's one of my biggest regrets honestly is the time that i've missed or even when i was there uh i was always compromised in in, in some way you know mm-hmm. there's always this this uh you know like you're playing ball with your kid but i'm i'm going and and taking a, a hefty slug off of something to go back and so you're not like i'm not there you know, I'm yeah. there. I'm, 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 I'm right. physically throwing a ball, but, uh, that need to always not be you, not be your, your mm-hmm. authentic self because it, it mm-hmm. cause you're not happy with whatever that is. Um, that's, dude, it's, it's slavery, man. You become a slave yeah. to it. And it it's a, yep. it's an ugly thing, man. So even you saying to be able to be present for these things and, and to kind of take that second look around, take it all in and feel a level of gratitude toward it. it's it's fucking beautiful man it's really it really is. a cool thing it's so good yeah so good uh well let's talk about also at what point did did the the inside job podcast where did that idea come from and and how did that all come to be yeah uh so that that all started last summer and a friend of mine from the gym jessica Shear. She's a personal trainer. She runs this beach workout class, uh, which sad day on Saturday, the gym closed, who oh. got bought out. And, um, but you know, all these, all these things happening. Right. But, um, anyway, so I was thinking, I'm like, you know what, I, I want to put something together of like, Hey, I am like do a co-host podcast. I, I kicked it around. I'm like, maybe I want to do it with my brother. I want to do like thinking of different ideas. I'm like, how about taking a firefighter uh, guy from, you know, me from my past, you know, and then like with this whole meditation would turn in just different things. Uh, and then having Jess be and then she's a, a strength and conditioning coach. She's, uh, you know, dial up on nutrition and just having this, this 
concept of the inside job of like anything that you want to change needs to come from the inside out. And so the funny thing was, is we were, um, kicking around names and we were emailing back and forth that da, 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 and I had a list of them. And, and then I sent her inside job and she FaceTimes me immediately. And she's at her parents' house up in LA and she's like, and she's showing me on her mom's wall, her parents' wall of this, um, happiness is an inside job. Like they had up there. I'm like, really? All right. So that, that there it goes. Yeah. So, um, the yeah, Jess is like 20 years younger than I am just a whole other different like energy and, and friend circle and like just a different perspective on life. Super smart, quick. Um, you know, she's a, she does a great job. And, and so I'm like, I feel like I'm holding her back. <laughs> some days. Um, but we all have our strengths and weaknesses that we can help each other out with. And, uh, but so we came together and, and, and drew this up. And so we were going hard. Uh, we would go every two weeks. Uh, we'd put out a new podcast and we've had endocrinologists on there. And uh, we've talked about psychedelics. We've talked about uh, nutrition. And uh, last one we just did was a friend of ours. She did a, a, a bikini challenge fitness thing, um, which I should know more about it since we talked for an hour on it. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, you know, and she ended up competing and doing well. And so she kind of broke down the story of that. And um, so it's been a really, uh, a good platform for us to talk and bring new people on. And, uh, one of the podcasts that I did, which I was hesitant about doing, which is, you know, I, I, I don't want to say exposed, but I, I, I shared a lot about myself with Turnip doing articles and stuff that's been put out there and published. And, um, and I, I just felt like, okay, that was a lot. I feel like a lot of me was like, I don't know if I overshared, I don't believe that, but I just was kind of dealing with like how getting back to like how people perceive me. Right. Which I didn't yeah. think would be an issue, but like people, people sometimes mistake what I've been through as weakness, yes. if you will. Um, and so <clears throat> we, we had a lot of talk about people emailing in and, and wanting to hear about my story of alcohol. And so I, so we did it you know, and to this date, it's had the most downloads of any of our podcasts. And, um, and I've had friends and people I don't even know email and say, Hey, I've drank since listening to your podcast. Um, How's that thank feel? you for doing that. How's that it's feel? amazing. Like, it's just, you know, to think about something that I didn't want to do and because I was afraid of like how I'd be perceived and like, okay, how much more do I have myself to, does this world really need to know about me? Right. Um, but it, it's stuff like that, that keeps me going. Right. And so like from the time I've been doing turn in to now, it's like, I'll screenshot little stuff like that. Because when I get this idea of like, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing turn in? And without fail, every time somebody will call me that day or, you know, some I'll receive something like that. So, that uh that alcohol one was was definitely impact impactful to some some folks out there and and i actually was at a our awards ceremony for chandler um that um i just happened to be in town in, in arizona and so i ended up going to the, the, the and i haven't been there in in years um, i haven't seen some of these guys in many years and so um one of the guys who got hired after i retired 
he pulled me aside. He's like, Hey man, you're John Vargo. I mean, yeah. He's like, Hey, I just want to let you know, I listen to your podcast and, and I appreciate what you, you said uh, and hearing your perspective of drinking through the fire department and then um, being sober afterwards. Cause I didn't get sober for until I retired. And he's like, I've been sober for 12 years. And so it's just cool to hear your perspective on that. And I think it was 12 years. It was something significant, yeah. you know? And um, so it's just little things like that. And, and, you know, if that's the reason why I ended up doing the podcast to help some people out, then, Hey man, it was, a, it was a, you know, we stuck the landing, but um, yeah. So right now we're just, we're on a little pause between seasons. Uh, Jess is just uh, working on getting her student teacher credentials and then just trying to navigate having two hosts and yeah. getting people online. It gets a little complicated, sure. but we'll definitely be back. It's something I thoroughly enjoy. I love meeting new people. I love talking about new things. It's just like, keeps me on edge, you know, like yeah. just constantly learning. And so, yeah, you, you know, you, you mentioned something that, that, that I've thought about. So on here, I, I mean, dude, first of all, it's almost like I, I gotta, I gotta make sure there's, there wasn't a hospital that a baby was stolen from in Arizona. Uh, cause our <laughs> stories are like very oddly in line with each other. So, uh-huh. And and I'll be talking on the on the podcast about all of these habits, you know, like whether it's breath work or, or meditation or fitness or, or diet, and it's all of these things that are are taking somebody who's already probably doing pretty well and then just kind of layering on top. Right now, they're even more successful. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. to talk about something that that, at least in my own mind, can be perceived as like this, not a taboo, but this, this thing I couldn't control in my life. We're not talking about, you know, restricting my carbs. I'm talking about, I can't stop drinking alcohol. <laughs> like I can't, right. I can't not be kind of drunk. So it's, yeah. it's, I understand being apprehensive in those environments, talking about those things. And then you've got, you've got a, what, a 20 something year old co-host who's kicking mm-hmm. life in the ass, who, who maybe mm-hmm. hasn't, or not maybe, who hasn't gone through some of these things. Doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, you're doing really well now. So sometimes exposing those demons, it's not comfortable. It's much easier yeah. in, in a men's group, you know, when you're around, you, when you're around your own, there's, there's probably yeah. nothing you can say that's going to shock them. Uh, yeah. uh, compared to maybe, you know, throwing this out there into the intraweb or the universe and, and seeing what comes back. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I get it. I, um, I text you after that episode. I found it, it was an, it was an extremely powerful episode. Um, I'm, I'm for one, I'm glad you did it. And it sounds like I'm, uh, not alone in that. Yeah. Well, thanks man. Yeah. <laughs> glad, it's, glad I was there. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's good stuff. I love doing, I love doing it. Yeah. You know, it's it, so much joy in these, podcasts and um but yeah that was uh you know and I, I was thinking as you were talking about that too is that um a lot of the people in our circle um didn't don't know the story yeah. right you know it's so like god do i want to yeah. go down that you're right but then it's like you know what whatever because <laughs> it's not real anyway that. right it's this image that we portrayed for a mm-hmm. good part of our life and we just we just might be very good at it which, yeah. which I honestly scares me a little bit. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. The fact that I could put mm-hmm. something out there and I could get yeah. everyone else to, to say, oh man, he's got it. He's got it all figured out. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, spoiler alert. <laughs> Work in progress. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's good. Um, um, all right, well, let's talk about O2X. What, what's okay. What's what's the connection behind that? I've I've been seeing these guys popping up all over LinkedIn, different places. Um, yeah. So O2X, I just learned. I, I was following them on uh, social media for a little bit through Turnin, and I just I saw that they were doing stuff with like Boston Fire, but you know didn't really know too much about it. And you know I follow a lot of different people on social media and just try to support where I can. And and that's been kind of my thing within uh, like Turnin. There's um, my goal is to help anybody or anything support that's supporting first responders in any fashion, like to support them or get awareness out of like, Hey, like it's not a competition to me. Like yeah. however turn in or John Morgan can help you help others sign me up. And so, um, so I, I had an opportunity to go to their O2X workshop that was in Chandler at my old training center. And so they, um, the hundred club, which I talked about earlier, they were helping support the, uh, bringing them out and, and help advertise. And so I, uh, advertise for them on LinkedIn or just, you know, reshared and be like, Hey, check this out. Great opportunity. Um, so I had the, the ability to go and I was blown away by the quality of the program. Like it was by far the best program I've ever been through. I'm not kidding. Wow. <laughs> it was like, and so right, right after that, cause like all, all I saw on social media prior to that was like them working out and like doing different yoga or stretching or, you know, kettlebells or something like that. And, um, but that, that is like a small portion of really what it is. And so the program, their, their motto, eat, sweat, thrive, and they'll bring in nutritionists from around the country. So when at my workshop, they brought in um, a nutritionist from San Diego to come into Arizona and show she works at the Navy and, you know, just a master at her craft. They brought in the sports and conditioning, uh, individual from, um, where was he from North Carolina for Fort Bragg, former, uh, Marine or army. No, he was army. He's good. <laughs> but anyways, careful. like legit guy, right? Yeah, yeah I know. Careful. <laughs> Sorry. No disrespect guys. Um, the sports psychologist from university of Miami who works with professional athletes down there. Um, the neuroscientist came in from Cal Poly wow. and she, um, she talked all about sleep and then her side job is a 49ers cheerleader. <laughs> so it's just like, it's just it's incredible. Like it was just an amazing amount of, um, we literally got the best, um, that, that came in and our sports performance coach, she was, um, she's from winter park, um, Colorado. And she coaches ski and snowboard students. And, you know, I mean, like, so go through all that. And I'm just like blown away by it, the whole thing. I'm like, this is, this is incredible. And of course, like for me, one of the best moments in that was, um, we down at the training center down in Chandler, they have this, it's a huge bay. It's this huge open space. Um, all the trucks were out of it and they laid down like 40 yoga mats and, so we all did our yoga out there and then they shut the bay doors and turned the lights off. And we all laid down and, and she guided us through this body scan meditation. And, and for me, that was, that was it. Because when I started turn in, like all I wanted was to give this stuff right to, to first responders, especially Chandler fire. Like I just wanted these guys to have it. 
And, and here I was four years later laying in Chandler fire training center. It wasn't how I thought it would go, but that's okay. Like, and to my point of like, how can I support? Right. And, and it was just like this amazing moment of like experiencing this awesome body scan from this individual. Um, and, and I just, it just gave me chills. And that was like, that was like this crowning moment for me. And so, um, you know, I had an opportunity to meet with the staff, um, the guy leading the workshop, he did a phenomenal job. Uh, so there's like a leader and then the people assisting and, you know, that's a well-oiled machine needless yeah. to say. Uh, he was a special forces, uh, Delta, uh, operator, uh, that, you know, he's, that's the caliber of guy who's like leading the workshop. And, and then, uh, the company, you know, as I dig more into it, founded by Navy SEALs 10 years ago. And, um, and then like lead, reading their resumes, you're like, Oh my God, like these guys are, they, uh, they've done a lot, yeah. you know, they've been reactive Naval Academy graduates. And, um, so one of the individuals, the, the West coast guy out there, he's like, Hey man, I'd love to have you on the team. And so encourage me to, apply to, to the company. And so, I uh, still don't know yet, but it's looking pretty good. But, yes. uh, over the last, um, that's been, it's been well since Chandler. I was in March, end of March, I've gone through essentially five interviews and, uh, attended another workshop, uh, in Riverside, which is another, and did again, nailed it like, right. And so what the resiliency guy that we had come out, um, Dan Crossan is his name and I might be killing his last name, but He's, um, he was a SEAL commander whose legs were amputated in Afghanistan from stepping on a landmine. Mm. And so he tells his shares a story of, um, you know, going through that. And then he goes on to become an Olympic gold medalist for a cross country skiing, you know? And, and so it's just like talk about resilience and, and sharing that, you know, experience with everyone in the room, you know, it's just, just ground shaking, you know, and, um, so just more and more and more fall in love with what they're doing. And, and they're teaching this, um, this model of, you know, you have to be like, it's great that you do your career, but like, you have to go home and function as a family member, as a father, as a husband. And then when you retire, you need, you know, you gotta be healthy. You gotta be able to like have peace of mind and like be able to move on in, in your career. And, and like so many times we get caught up and like just busting our ass through our career. And, and if I would have continued the way I was running, you know, I'd be dead shortly, yeah. you know, if I wouldn't be dead already, but um, you know, it's just that, that the whole thrive piece as they talk about with the resiliency and, and getting the help you need. Um, so like their model, they'll do workshops, but then they they'll embed O2X employees within departments. So like Boston fire, DC fire, Berkeley, some other ones, they have like a physical therapist a nutrition strength and conditioning coach that are like full-time employees that work in that department. So like for my department, for example, we had guys that like, Hey, this is your designated strength and conditioning coach for the department. Well, he was in charge of basically all these people, but he still had his fire department job and his days off. So it's hard. Like, that never took off and landed. And then, so what they're able to do is show of like how this, um, you know, having these embedded members, how workman's comp drops by yeah. you know, a huge amount, because, you know, for me, like how many injuries did I have? And I'm like, eh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. 
you know, and just like, I don't want to, I don't want to go to light duty. I don't want to go yeah. light duty. And eventually it's catastrophic. Your knee gets blown out or my back. I always had back problems, you know? Dude, um, again, I've had two back surgeries. You're literally my doppelganger. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then you're on light duty, you know? So a lot of like uh, loss prevention, if that's even the right word, uh, you know, sick time, you know, decreasing and all that stuff. So it's really, uh, just an amazing company. So they're growing a lot out here on the West coast. So, um, we'll find out shortly, but, um, but hopefully my role soon will be a uh, West coast, uh, manager, uh, co co-partnering with my, my friend Ramon. So, um, so yeah, we'll see, we'll see. It's not official, but, um, but it's looking pretty good. So Dude, excited. Going back to a Ryan, Ryan holiday book, man, the obstacles away. You know, like what you've, you've, you've gotten, what, what started off as you, you know, trying to get sober, trying to meditate, find stillness is, has now blossomed into, uh, you know, what you're going to be doing for, for a living. It's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've, you know, you hear, you hear a lot of like, <clears throat> every moment has prepared me for this moment. Everything I've done has prepared me for this moment, but like this, this couldn't be any more true for me. I mean, it's literally taken me 25 years of things that I've done in my life, work I've done on myself to qualify me essentially to take on this role. Like if I didn't get sober, if I didn't do turn in, if I wasn't a first responder, like I couldn't do this job. Yeah. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't have done this job two years ago um, to the level I'd be able to do it now, yeah. you know, um, and especially three years ago. Cause you know, three years ago, I looked like a tick, man. <laughs> like this, this engorged tick. Like oh, that guy's definitely not the part, you know, <laughs> but, um, what, what, what's your sobriety date? Uh, three eighteen nineteen. Okay, man. We are really close. Oh yeah. What are you? Two, four, 19. Okay. Yeah. Yep. We're real close. Nice. Yeah. There we are. Again, <laughs> bizarro world I'm living in. I, I'm having a uh -huh. zoom call with myself. Um, <laughs> Well, man, that's fantastic, John. I mean, that's really, yeah, I, I'm excited to see where that goes. Uh, pl yeah. Please keep us updated on it. And um, I don't know, man, is there anything else you you want to cover while we're, while we're on here? I don't want to take up all your day. Um, no, I mean, we covered a lot, yeah, you did. know, um, where I was at and where I'm at now. And, um, you know, I'm uh, this Friday, I'm speaking in West Virginia and Huntington and, um, I'm really excited for that opportunity to, you know, share a lot of what we shared today and, and then give, uh, some of those first responders, some good tools on that. And so it's just doing things like that, that allow me to, to share, getting the podcast stuff out there. And, yeah. um, yeah, so that's, I think we did, I think we covered it all. And then of course, let me know, however, I can support consequence of habit or you, yes, or, um, that. you know, it's, we have a, we have a lot of work to do yeah. <laughs> in this space with a lot of people that need us. So. Well, well I'll, I'll be in touch with you. I actually, right before we got on, well, that's, that's not true. About an hour before we got on, um, I lined up our first Wim Hof instructors for an event nice. we're looking to do uh, in, in the first weekend in October. So uh, cool. yeah, a lot of like-minded stuff here, but John, man, I'll tell you what, uh, and I mean this, if this episode never went out, I'm still super happy we had this conversation. Really. I think it's great. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. keep on doing what you're doing. Um, that's it, brother. 
Thanks, man. Let us know about O2X and uh, yeah, for sure. I'm hoping to see you here soon when you when you come to the East Coast or I get out to San Diego, I'll hit you up. Oh, better. (laughs) Sounds good. Thanks, brother. Right on. Thanks for having me. Everybody, that's wrap. Like always, thanks again for checking us out. This show is brought to you by the team here at Consequence of Habit and is an arm of our 501c3 nonprofit. The show is produced and edited by the one and only Anthony Palmer. It's part of the Palm Tree Pod Company network of podcasts. That's it. I'll catch you guys next week.